I am good, low tide. I'm loving it. Seven days until the deadline. Let's go. Yeah, it's it's close. Um, are you hearing anything specifically, or has Frank mentioned anything specifically with regard to the owners? I feel like Adam Henrique is more prominent than he was a day ago, but these things are fleeting, right? Yeah, like, do they like Henrique? I believe so. But I think you could say the same thing for Dowd and for Buchnevich and for a Gensel and an Eberly and on and on and on. I think the Oilers right now are sitting there going, oh, we actually kind of see a lot of fits on the market. Nothing to the level of, say, you know, when Ekholm was available last year. It was like, whoa, that is so clearly what the Edmonton Oilers need. Like, they have, he was a slam dunk fit. And I think right now, and I would probably agree with this if it was how the Oilers were thinking, like there's just not someone out there who's clearly a better fit than everyone else on the market. So I think what that's resulting in is Ken Holland maybe sitting back and going, I'll wait and see how this market develops. And maybe one of these guys becomes available for less than I think they will. And that's sort of the key. I, like, I, I feel like once Tanev left you know, Dodge and ended up to, going to uh, Dallas, then, then what we're looking at is shades of gray defensively. I like, I prefer Carrier uh, in Nashville. I don't know that Holland does because he's not a big guy, but he's a very effective player. Yeah, I'm with you. I agree. I like Carrier the most out of the group. I don't know how much Edmonton's interested in him. And now the weird thing is Nashville's kind of sitting there going, oh, we want to give our guys a chance. And it's like, oh, God, are they going to do the foolish thing of, you know, not trading these rentals and going and losing in five games to the Dallas Stars. Like, I don't know. That There's a non-zero chance of that uh, of that happening, which is unfortunate for the Oilers because not only do I like Carrier, but I like Tommy Novak as well. And if the Predators were willing to part ways with both of those players, I'd give up a decent amount for them because you'd be filling two holes with one deal. Any thoughts on – because I, I, like, I think Kyle Dubas would really like a Broberg and probably the first – and I don't know that the Oilers would do that for a rental in Gensel. But I, Holland's always said uh, he would trade the first-round pick, but it's got to be somebody with term. And that leads me to believe that Gensel, even though they'd like to get him, they're probably not – it's a bridge too far. Do you agree with that? I think he'd be – I think he'd be maybe be more open to moving the first for a rental this year than he was last year. But the way I would look at it is, okay, let's say the cost for Gensel is a first – and Broberg and a third because you got to get the money to work somehow. Mm. Okay. What if you could get Frank Vetrano for just the first and the third? And it's like, all right, now you got a guy who is not as good of a player as Gensel. I'm never going to try sell anyone on that, but you get him for a second year and he's a pretty solid cap head. And, you know, I think it's a similar thing to Buchnevich as well. It's like, okay, if St. Louis is asking for, you know, the sun, the moon and the stars or whatever, and, and they want, a first and Holloway and Borgo. And it's like, whoa, that's a lot. Can we maybe just give up the first and Borgo for Vetrano in that situation and still get a good player who's going to help for multiple years, but you aren't paying out the nose just because it's one of the bigger names on the market. I just, I, again, go back to my first answer. It's kind of like, I wonder if the Oilers aren't in a spot where they're going to wait and see how the market develops and then just eventually get a discounted price on one of their checkdown options instead of one of the big names. Yeah, that's fair. Tyler Uramchuk, our guest from Daily Faceoff on the Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. One name that, that has come up um, all through this process is Warren Fogle. But I, I'm looking, I, was, I was looking at Evander Kane for an article for The Athletic, and Fogle is really good Kane insurance because he has played on the second line, mostly on right wing, but if they acquire a, a suitable right winger for that second line with, say, Leon, 
and Kane struggles and it has happened or gets hurt and that has happened, yep. Fogel's a really nice option for the Oilers. If they trade him away, it's Holloway likely or maybe McLeod. But having a guy like Fogel uh, who's done the job and is a veteran is is a nice luxury there for the Oilers on the left side. Yeah, here's my problem with anything related to sacrificing a piece off the active roster. And by a piece, I mean like one of the good players, obviously. Right now, the Oilers have three spots in their tw- out of their 12 forwards are PK specialists. Connor Brown, Derek Ryan, and Matthias Janmark are PK guys. You can have maybe one of them in your lineup come playoff time if you want to be a true contender. I, I honestly believe that. I think there's room for one. A guy who you know, plays hard, plays the right way, kills penalties, but doesn't really bring you anything in the offensive zone. That means they need to acquire two forwards. And if you're sitting there going, well, okay, we'll sacrifice Fogel in a trade because we're getting a Vetrano or getting a Buchnevich. Like, I'm not saying it's the be-all, end-all, but it doesn't solve your depth problem like at all. And the other thing is right now, again, the Oilers have those three guys in their lineup and they are 100% healthy. It goes back to a similar debate to be, there's a similar debate to be had about the blue line where it's like, Oh, do you really need to add a good seventh defenseman? Like uh, you're healthy right now. You're not going to go in all likelihood, knock on wood, the rest of the year being fully healthy on the blue line and fully healthy up front. Like they need to add pieces without subtracting significant pieces as well. And that's why I keep pushing back on the idea of like, well, you just throw Warren Fogle in the deal to make the money work and you go get a guy and it's like, okay, sure. Then your bottom six is better, but your, or sorry, your top six is better, but your bottom six is the exact same, not good enough. And that's when it's hundred percent healthy. So I don't think they can go out and make any sort of a move that involves sacrificing a Holloway, sacrificing a Fogle, sacrificing a McLeod. You don't have the depth to do that. It's so true, and I, I think that, that I know they're not going to stand pat. I think there'll be two players, a defenseman and a forward, maybe Henrique or maybe a winger. But as we get closer, one of the things that, that is really becoming obvious, I, I said Carrier earlier from Nashville, well, they're, they're, they're ensconced in a playoff spot. I like New Jersey uh, for Toffoli, but it looks like they're, they're coming hard again and based on reporting from Pierre Lebrun just published that they're going hard for Markstrom in Calgary, and that means they're they're not offloading a damn thing. So this is uh, this is a time where where there's still so much uh, fluidity, if that's a word, or if not, I'm making it up in the in the trade market that that we might not we might find something. It, the Friday show might actually be full of trades. Yeah, it actually might be, and it'll be a result of a weak market, which is a weird thing, how a weak market might produce the best deadline we've had in years. Because, again, Nashville doesn't know if they're buying or selling. Washington, I think, still believes they can add a little bit to this team. You mentioned New Jersey, Pittsburgh, the Islanders, the Wild, the Kraken, the Flames. All these teams should be sellers, are kind of right now convincing themselves that they're not with some of their play. And I just sit there and think, come next Friday when rubber hits the road, at least a couple of the, these GMs are going to sit there and go, I don't want to walk out of here with nothing. I'm willing to come down on some prices. I'm willing to move some guys who maybe I wasn't willing to move four or five days ago. I think we're going to have a very active deadline day, even if it's not a lot of high-end, top-line, top-pairing players getting moved. What's uh, Tyler Yurumchuk, our guest from Daily Face? I, I'm, I'm a little, I'm not totally irritated, but I'm mildly irritated with the mcdavid Drysidle, uh Hyman line because I think it 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 really puts that second line in a bit of a tough spot. What what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I 
I love it because it's like a power play when you put those three guys all on the ice together. It's so much fun to watch. But maybe this can change come deadline time. Like, I do think, and maybe I'll flip this back to a question for you. If you were to go get Adam Henrique, do you think you could trust a new Henrique duo enough on the second line that you can run the three big guns together? Yes. Yeah, I do. So, because I think Nuge is a better left winger now than a center. So doesn't that maybe, shouldn't that work into the deadline plans? Like if Nick Dowd's going to cost you a first and you sit there and go, okay, yeah, it's great to have a quality bottom six centerman who's going to kill penalties, maybe take some tough matchups. If Henrique costs you a second and a third, and now all of a sudden you don't feel as guilty when you go 29, 97, and 18 on the line, maybe that's a move that just really helps you out. And I mean, then you're putting a lot of trust, I know, in a third line that would be Fogel, Perry, and McLeod, and they haven't scored a ton when they've been together. So it doesn't solve your bottom six issue, but man, it makes your top six really hard to deal with. So that's part of the reason I like Henrique as a target, maybe even more than I would like a Nick Dowd, because Henrique gives you a lot more lineup flexibility just because he has the upside of a top six forward. Dowd doesn't. That's a great point by you, and I agree totally. Now, Dylan Holloway, where does he fit into this mix, and is there any possibility that he gets traded? Uh, I think he's got to be untouchable just because next year you have the dead cap space and you probably need a good top nine forward who's going to be 1.25 million. And that's probably what Dylan Holloway is going to be. So I think you need to hold on to him because you need him really, really bad next year. My frustration is they aren't using him and it makes no sense right now. You're in a spot where your playoff, your, your position in the playoffs seems pretty secure. You have a handful of games until the deadline. See what you have in the kid. Give him 15 minutes a night. When he was on the ice the other night with Nuge and Kane, I think he got four shifts in total. Two of them were zones, offensive zone starts, and I think two of them were starts on the fly, if I'm remembering back through the game correctly. When he was out there, the shot attempts were 6 nothing in two and a half minutes. Play that guy with skill. Let Figure out what you have. It could change your deadline plans if Dylan Holloway fits in next to Ryan Nugent Hopkins and Evander Kane. Why they're not playing him more is mind-boggling. Well, and it's been going on for two years now, Broberg, too. So, all right. So, um, what's what's the plan for you in the next week? I know you're going to be really busy every day uh, with Frank, but what's the deadline? What are you what are you looking at? You're on no sleep, or how's it going to be for you? Yep, probably very little sleep. Doing a four hour live stream next Friday with Frank Saravalli. We do a neat thing at Daily Faceoff where we put Frank. He's always on the screen, but he's just up in the top right hand corner. So while I'm talking to my various guests throughout the four hours. You get to always keep an eye on Frank on his phone, texting people, calling people. And then it's cool. The moment Frank breaks a trade, you watch him on his phone, hangs up. He texts a couple things, and then he messages me and goes, I got one. And he unmutes himself, and boom, you get it like in real time on our live stream. It's, it's really, really cool. I'm excited to do it next week. I'd like to have that for Frank 24-7. I'd like to know where he is, follow him around, into the bathroom. Could you work on that? <laughs> Hey, I mean, maybe next year we can just do a full week of ISO cam in Frank's basement. <laughs> I'm sure he'd, I'm sure he'd be delighted it. by that. All right, have a great weekend. Thanks, Tyler.